Hey, good morning, Austin Ridge. Let's stand together and worship our God in spirit and in truth. Come on. And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made.
Church, it says in 1 Peter 5, to humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think it may be even an understatement to say that we're living in a time where there's a lot of anxieties, a lot of worries, a lot of concerns that we haven't had before. But God's very clear in his word where he says to cast all of your anxieties, all of your anxieties onto him because he cares for us. But there's also a part in the verse right before that where he says, humble yourselves into the mighty power of God. In order to truly cast your anxieties onto God, you first have to humble yourself. So here's what I want us to do, something a little bit different during our time of worship this morning. I want you to take a posture of surrender. So one of your palms up and your hands out, just like this. And I want you to think about the thing that is worrying you, that anxiety that you have, that, that thing that you just can't let go of that maybe keeps you up at night. You know what it is, I don't have to name a bunch of stuff, but you know what yours is. I want you to place that in your hands before the Lord this morning. So we're gonna take just a moment, just you, just you and the Lord, to offer this up as a sacrifice to him, to humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, to cast your anxieties on him. Just take a moment to pray and to offer this up to him. we surrender this morning. The thing that we want to hold on to for ourselves, the thing that we want to control, the thing that, that we think if we could just have maybe a little bit more time or a little bit more of something, we could figure it out. And we offer that up to you. And we're, we're tired of trying to do it on our own. So we thank you that your word has a promise that we can cast all of our anxieties onto you and that you care for us. God, this morning we humble ourselves before you. God, we know that this is a, a sweet fragrance for you to smell this morning. Humility from your people, trust from your people, prayers from your people. So God, we choose to put our anxiety, our worry in your hands, your capable and mighty hands trusting that at the proper time, you will take care of it. God, we thank you that we can always run to you. We can love you and that you in return love us so much. So as we continue to worship, God, I pray that we would just have this posture of humility before you. You're so good to us. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray.
God, we give ourselves completely to you this morning. We thank you that we can run to you for everything that we need, that we can humble ourselves before you. God, we thank you that you're so good to us, that you're always there for us. You never leave us or forsake us. You never fail us. You are capable, and we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Team for leading us well this morning. There's a there's a few nuggets in that that uh, I'm going to continue to think about. Just the idea that I, our heart needs a surgeon, our soul needs a friend, and God actually invites us to come to Him for that. Isn't that isn't that great? Hey, if you are our guest today, well, first off, I'm Jeff Moore. I'm a groups pastor here at the Ridge. If you're our guest today, if you've just been coming for a little while, I want to uh, make you aware of one thing. In the seat back in front of you, there's a connections card. In the uh, lobby, as you leave later, there's a connections desk. And if you want information about the church, ways to get connected, ways to take a next step here, those are two great ways to start. Uh, that routes to pastors and ministry leaders. We'll follow up with you. We, we, we would love to connect with you. Put a face with the name. Help, help you take a next step in ministry here. have three quick announcements uh, this morning. We don't talk about it a lot here at the Ridge, but giving. One of the ways that, uh, that ministry happens here is through uh, people like you, Living generously, which is one of our core values. You'll see on the screen a few ways that we encourage you to give here at the Ridge. If you need help learning how to do that, we have uh, a team that would love to talk to you about that. Uh, please feel free to email us, and we'd, we'd love to help you take that step as well. But figure out ways. If you're already giving, how can God continue to stretch you, uh, provide for you, show himself true to you? If you're not giving now, figure out what those steps look like. So those are ways that you can do that here at the Ridge. Uh, our student ministry. So last week, this is a big celebration. Our Triple Crown event for middle schoolers started last week. You'll see some pictures up here. They had, it's a record number, they had over 220 students show up for this thing. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Yes, please, please. That's an epic, as Lucas would say, an epic turnout for something like that. Uh, this year's theme is Dude Perfect. They're competing each weekend uh, for the next three weeks uh, to earn points, to win prizes, that whole thing. Hey, parents, if you have teenagers in your house, and they're not coming to our student ministry. Just really want to challenge you and encourage you. Get them here. Get them here. Life change happens among those friends, in those environments. Everything they do is geared uh, to set these kids on mission, to introduce them to the gospel, to help them learn to think like kingdom people. Amen? I mean, everything we do here at the church does that, but specifically for middle schoolers, for high schoolers, parents, get your kids there. Uh, really want to encourage you to do that. And lastly, men, pay attention. Uh, you have an event coming up Tuesday, October 12th at 7 p.m. here at the church. Brad's going to be speaking. It's called Warrior Night. And what this night is designed to do is to help you understand who God has created you to be, uh, to give um, God-honoring, spirit-empowered leadership in your homes, in your workplace, with your friends, at the ball field, wherever, wherever God opens up a door for you to be, that's where God is going to use you. Amen. So, uh, men, we don't have a lot of great examples in our culture for that. Amen. So, uh, that night starts that journey for you. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. So sign up today. I believe you can sign up on the website and, uh, and, uh, make plans to be there. So today it's going to be kind of cool. Brad's actually not here. He's at our Dripping Springs campus. He's going to be streaming back and, uh, we're going to continue on in Romans this week. And, uh, so let's just kind of strap in and get ready to learn and grow together as we continue on our series. So let's do this.
How are we doing, Dripping Springs? It is so good, so good, so good to be with you today. I want to say good morning to Southwest and Bee Cave Campus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans, Romans chapter 12. So good to be with y'all today. I've been wanting to get down here a long time. And COVID, I don't know if you realize, we've been in a worldwide pandemic. Um, COVID's messed some stuff up, but it is a joy to be with you today. We're only going to cover two verses today. So we're going to take a deep dive in these two verses. Uh, Paul's been teaching 11 chapters of Romans. We have seen ourselves. We're sinners. We've seen everybody else. They're also sinners. We've seen a God who saves. He's loving. We've talked about how justification by faith works. That you're saved not by works. You're saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, lest anybody should boast. What that means is you will not get to heaven one day and say, God, aren't you glad you and I make a good team? It's God's work. Man's job was we got lost. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, there's a sin problem. And justification by faith means that you don't work your way into heaven, you'd never be good enough. What it means is Jesus did all the work for you. And because of the work of Christ on the cross, you and I have been justified through faith. We've seen about what it looks like to be a church. We've seen about what it looks like to deal with enemies. I don't know about you, but this has been the most polarizing time that I've ever been alive. We're going to get to Romans 13, and we're going to see about how to submit to governing authorities. I've, already, I've gotten more emails and questions about Romans 13 than any other part of this book. It used to be that's just a chapter that was in there somewhere. Now it's become paramount. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. Chapters 14 and 15 talk about the issues in the body of Christ, the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, you and God, you and others, you and the body of Christ, you and enemies, you and government, you and the world. And there's a response, biblically speaking, to the love of God. So Romans 8 talked about the love of God. Romans did not stop in chapter 8. The next five chapters, we're going to be applying what it means that God loves you. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Paul has not given one imperative command so far in the book of Romans. 11 chapters of content, no commands, nothing about what to do. It's just been about who you are, who God is, and what the problem is. Chapter 12, we're going to see the first imperative command that God has given us. How is a saint supposed to respond to the love of God? It's also interesting that chapter 12 is written to Christians. So there's some assumptions being made that the people here in this text are those who want to please God. You may have heard the old story about the chicken and the pig walking down the road. They see a billboard. It said, feed the poor. And the chicken said, that's a good idea. We should do that. And, and if you know the story, the pig goes, well, there's a problem with this because for you, that's just a contribution for me, that's an all-in commitment. <laughs> I have been around church long enough to know there's a lot of folks who say they're Christians who it's just kind of a contribution. We throw God an hour, we throw God a few bucks, and we kind of tip our hat to the deity, and then we want God to bless us. And then when the blessings stop, we feel justified in being angry at God. But what Paul has been building for 11 chapters is the love of God, what he's done for you. And this is the right response that a believer should have based on the last 11 chapters. God wants a total radical commitment from you. You know, I think of verses like this. If you're going to follow Jesus, he says, deny yourself, 
Take up your cross how often? Daily. Every day. Take your cross up. The Bible says, if you want to be my disciple, he who loses his life will find it. The Bible says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul says, I have to die so that Christ can live through me. To live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. The Bible says that unless a grain of wheat falls and bears and dies, it will not bear fruit. The Bible says God calls for a radical commitment. And see, the, the struggle that we have a lot of times as Christians is we feel like we're kind of in the world and also walking with God all at the same time. And the truth is, the Bible says that's exactly what you're doing. But you're supposed to get your power from the Lord so you can walk in the world effectively. We've been talking about last few weeks, these big knobs. You have two knobs in your life, two knobs of volume. One knob is the world, one knob is God. Whichever you turn up more, whichever you spend more attention to, whichever stream you feed from is going to create your worldview. It's going to create how you interpret what's going on in the world around us. So when God says, I laid down my life for you, I, I so love the world that I gave my life, the right response for the believer is, I give my life back. You ready to dive in this text? Verse 1, look at it with me. I appeal to you, therefore, let's stop right there. <laughs> Paul says, your Bible may say, I urge you. I urge you, I appeal to you, therefore. That word urge, or your Bible may say appeal, we, we literally get the, the word for Holy Spirit, paraclete. It literally means Paul saying, I come alongside of you as your counselor, as, as a person of hope, as an exhorter. I come alongside you. I urge you, therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, look to see what it's there for, right? That's the contextual word in your Bible. So what he's saying is, based on everything that I've taught you to this point, 11 chapters, the commandment is this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Is that Christians or non-Christians he's talking to? Christians. I appeal to you, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, by the mercies of God. What's he talking about the mercies of God? It's plural. Again, he's been talking about the mercies of God for 11 chapters. He starts off in chapter 1, the whole world's lost. We've all walked away. And our hearts have been turned over to a hardness of heart. And God has said, you know what? I'll let them have it their way. And they're going to worship something because I put that in their heart. But the problem is the object of the worship is not going to be me anymore. They're going to substitute me for other gods. We get to chapter 2, we see that the Jewish people are lost as well. It's not just the Gentiles. We get to chapter 3 and we see right off the bat in chapter 3, verse 23. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Jew and Gentile alike. We get to Romans chapter 4. He gives you the example of Abraham. That Abraham, uh, grace was given to him through faith. It was credited to his account. We get to chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine of justification. We get to Romans chapter 6, and the question comes up. Well, if I'm saved by grace, meaning no matter what I do, past, present, and future, God's grace will cover my sin, and I'm going to be in heaven because he saved me, then why not do whatever I want? Paul starts off chapter 6. How can we who have died to sin continue to live in it? May it never be. It's a silly argument. Why would you ever want to go back to the way you used to live? And then you get to chapter 8, that chapter of grace, which is amazing. And then we've looked in chapter 9, 10, 11. Chapter 9, 10, 11 has been tough, hasn't it? Chapter 9 talks about the election of God. 
Chapter 10 talks about the hardness of the Jewish heart. Chapter 11 brings in the hardness of the Jewish heart, and we talked about the history of the Jewish people and how that's been laid out for the last 3,500 years. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercies, you, you with me? Does that make sense? In view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present your bodies, I appeal to you, as a fellow lugnut, right, as a fellow, fellow sinner to present your bodies as a living holy sacrifice. That's the first imperative command in the whole book of Romans. Based on everything you know about God, the right response is you take your life. This is a, a temple terminology. This is church words. In view of God's mercies, you go to the altar of God, you take your body. Your body speaks of totality, the way you think. The way you react, the way you act, the way you initiate, the way the, your attitude. I want you to take that and I want you to lay it on the altar. I want you to present yourself. Reminds me of the great words by Isaac Watts in the hymn, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, demands my all. That I want total obedience. That word present there, it means to lay something before the face of someone else. I want you to present your bodies. In the Greek, it's in the aorist tense. What the aorist tense means is this. It's something that happened one time in the past, but it, it goes on and continues. I want you to lay your bodies on the altar of God, and guess what you're going to have to do every day? Do it again. Is it true that you may know Jesus, love Jesus, walk with Jesus, and tomorrow you may act like you don't? Absolutely. And so every day you've got to lay your bodies, present your bodies to God again. I want you to hold your place right there. I want you to turn back with me a few chapters, Romans 6. I'm going to show you that what he's saying in 12, he was getting ready to say it back in Romans 6. Look back at Romans 6. Look with me at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your bodies, there's the word. Do not present your bodies to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves, there's the word, to God as those who have been brought back from death to life and your members of God as instruments for righteousness. Look down at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of, of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? Let's go back to chapter 12. In view of God's mercies, I want you to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. God does not want me to date non-believers, so I'm not going to do it. The Bible tells me to keep the marriage bed undefiled, so I'm not going to live with my mate or my, or my girlfriend. We're going to get married, and we're going to do it God's way. Well, pastor, that's kind of the norm in the culture today. Aren't you glad that we don't have to be normal? Aren't you glad that we don't have to be like everybody else? Well, when I think about presenting my bodies, I think of this. God says to give my tithes and offerings to the Lord, so I'm going to do that. That's not optional. If you're all in with Jesus, you do what the Bible tells you to do. God wants me to yield my rights, consider others more important than myself. Is our culture one that considers others' needs above our own right now? <laughs> not at all. We have to win. We have to fight. I've got to get on social media and let you know how brilliant I am. We're going to be talking about that in Romans 13, my friend. Don't, don't, don't miss that, that sermon. You're not nearly as brilliant as you think you are, and neither am I. Matter of fact, I don't know a whole lot. I just know this. God is good, and his love is real. 
And I know he takes people like us and does things only he can pull off so that he gets all the glory. And I know that we're not getting out of this thing alive. And I know that he wants me to present my bodies as a living and holy sacrifice every day. He wants to take whatever you consider your best and put it on the altar. Abraham, what did he ask Abraham to put on the altar? Who did he ask? Isaac. What was Abraham's best? Isaac. I want you to lay Isaac on the altar. You know, when you think about Isaac's son, who's his best? Jacob. I want you to put Jacob on the altar. Jacob, who's your best? Joseph. I want you to put Joseph on the altar. Not only is this action that Paul's calling for decisive, but it's voluntary. I urge you, therefore, brethren, God's not going to force you into obedience. God wants you to obey because you're overwhelmed by how much he loves you. You see, following God is not to earn his favor. Following God is a sign that we've received his favor. We don't come to God to get things. We come to God because he's given us everything. It's a voluntary, decisive, and it's a total sacrifice. Your bodies. He also says a living sacrifice. That's an act of worship. You see, this is also priest language, the purpose of a priest. And by the way, the Bible calls you, New Testament saint, a royal priesthood. That's why we talk about it at Austin Ridge as we dismiss you on a Sunday. Church doesn't end. Church never ends. It's not even a starting time. It just goes. So you're going to go do church now outside this building. Coming to this building doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Going from this building and what you do with your life shows the world whether you are or not. And that's why we talk about here at the Ridge that Tuesday's just as holy as Sunday. So wherever God's placed you, that's your, that's your pulpit, that's your mission field, right? And you have a sermon that you preach every day, and you've got folks that God has put in your life that is your mission field. The purpose of church is to equip you, Ephesians 4.13, to do the work of the ministry, you see, I grew up thinking, no, we pay you, pastor, to do the work of the ministry. We watch and we commentate whether we think you're doing a good job with that or not. The Bible says, no, no, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. How do you know you found a good church to go to? Does it equip you to do the work of the ministry? Or is it something you just attend? Because we've said this before, just because a church is crowded doesn't mean it's godly. Bars are crowded, Right? UT Stadium yesterday was crowded, right? Have you ever been watching football lately and you're seeing how people are singing songs, Sweet Caroline, ba-ba-ba, and they got their faces painted, and they, they've been there, they get there early, right? And they stay after and they talk about it. And then the same people come to church the next day. <laughs> are you excited about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't this be the greatest hour of your week? Shouldn't this be the thing that we're most fired up about? Because I tell you, Texas looked really good yesterday, didn't they? They're going to lose another game this year. <laughs> Clemson looked really bad yesterday. They're going to win another game this year, maybe. Aren't you glad that your hope is not in something like that? See, man is made to worship something, and that's what we do. We, we have temples, it's called stadiums, and we go and we worship things, Right? Who's your God? Because there's only one God that got up out of the ground and said, follow me. <laughs> no other God has done that for you. In view of God's mercies, I urge you to lay your bodies down as a living and holy sacrifice. I remember studying, because I'm a, a history nut, I remember studying uh, 
Pearl Harbor. And, and I'm fascinated by the Japanese kamikaze pilots. Fascinating. That they would literally take these pilots, they would strap a bomb to their chest in their plane. They would put them in the plane and they would conduct a funeral service before them before they left because they're dead. They're already dead. And, and when you know you're already dead, you will act like a soldier. And what's amazing is when I think about us as Christians, we're kamikaze pilots. We've already died. So when someone says something to hurt your feelings, that bounces off. When someone doesn't do something you like, that bounces off. When someone treats you the way the world treats people, I don't have to react. I don't even have to take vengeance because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. All I have to do is be a sacrifice. Just die. But see, humans want to start pumping life back into their life again. No, I think I have an opinion here, God. No, I think you've missed this one, God. No, I think you put the wrong person in the White House, God. I think you're not in control of the United States anymore, God. I think if I don't do something, this thing's going to go, excuse my French, to hell in a handbasket. And here's the truth. God is just as much in charge as he was the day he said, let there be light. God is just as sovereign as he is right now of whoever's in the White House. Aren't you glad you don't put your faith in the White House? I would be nuts right now if that's what I did in this country. Aren't you glad that you don't have to react, but you get to initiate the glories of God when you walk into your office for work? When you go to your hobbies, when you go to your gym, when you go to your schools, when you're sitting in your classrooms? I urge you, therefore, in view of God's mercies, to lay your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look what he says. It's a spiritual act of worship. The word act there is latrio. It's a priest term. A spiritual act. That word spiritual there literally uh, translates in the Greek to rational or logical. Here's what Paul is saying. In view of God's mercies, when you understand how much God loves you, the logical response is you lay your body on the altar and you die to yourself. The logical thing to do is rational. Meaning this, that if you hear God's mercies, you see God's mercies, and yet you don't give all in to him, it's irrational. It's illogical. Because how can we not give everything to the one who gave everything for us? But here's the problem, right? Verse two, here's the problem. That was just one verse. Ready to go to verse two? Here's the problem. Look at verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The problem, the reason verse one is so hard is because we don't practice verse two. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Conform literally means to take the shape of. So if the world is a mold, we tend to want to fit into the mold. Well, if the world's fighting, we should fight. If, if, if the world says this is okay, then, then we should live it out. Here's what Christianity is, because I honestly think being a non-Christian is the most boring way to live. You're just like everybody else. It's the same thing day after day after day after day. As a Christian, it's the most radical, fun, joy-filled, amazing thing to do, because every day is an adventure as, as wide as God's imagination. That God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, through whoever he wants, however he wants, for whatever reasons he wants. And he doesn't have to tell you his reasons. You notice, conform the patterns of this world, you notice you don't go to that checkout line where I talked about the magazines are on the side. You never see a magazine that says, Righteousness Illustrated. 
right? Or, 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 or godliness. You don't see it. Why? Because the world doesn't care about verse 1. All the world cares about is making sure that you conform so that you fit in the system so that you're not causing waves. I want some Christians at Austin Rose that cause some waves. And I'm not talking about fighting. I'm talking about by loving. I'm talking about you take a radical commitment of God and you become a force wherever God places you. People won't like you just because you're different. Have you noticed that? I did a wedding um, a couple of weeks ago. I haven't done a wedding in about two years. Weddings take all weekend and I'm, I'm kind of busy on the weekend. Sundays come every week. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but I have. And I did this wedding. It was, the, it was the most different wedding I've ever done. I've done a lot of great weddings with great couples. This couple loves Jesus. So that's number one. This couple love each other. That's number two. And the bridesmaids and the groomsmaids, I had 12 bridesmaids on my right side. I know some of you think I only have 12 friends. I had 12 <laughs> groomsmen on my left side. We did a worship song. You know that song, I will build my life upon the Lord. They did that worship song. I'm sitting there and usually, see, I'm, I've got a weird view at a wedding. I'm looking at the crowd. They're looking at me. They don't want to see me. They want to see the bride and the groom. We ought to turn the whole thing around, but that's another sermon. So they're looking at me. I'm looking at them. When you do a worship song at a wedding, people don't sing. Have you noticed that? Because you got people who don't know the song and people that they don't, they don't realize they just stepped into a worship service. But I'm doing this wedding a couple of weeks ago and I'm hearing this worship pierce my ears from both sides. I look to my right to the girls. Every girl had her eyes closed, arms in the air worshiping. I looked to the guys because guys are slower than girls. I looked over the guys, every eye was closed, every hand was in the air worshiping. I looked out to the body, they're watching that. That's a picture, guys, of who we are as a Christian. We worship, no matter who's around or what they think, and the world watches and they see the real thing. I told the congregation at the wedding, I said, you thought you were coming to a wedding, but you came to a church service and a wedding happened, right? That was so different. That's what I thought of when I said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but rather be transformed. That word transformed there, metamorphe in the Greek, we get the English word metamorphosis. It's when you turn into a butterfly. It's you, you take a different form. You're not like everybody else. Now you become different. What, what he's saying is don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed. Be better. Be better. Isn't it an arrogant pastor to think that we're better than other people? No, it's biblical. When you have the mercies of God in your life, you should live better than everybody else around you. They should be drawn to you. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Are you in your Bible every day? That's the number one way to renew your mind. The word of God is the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. Here's the deal, and I'll say this till I die. If you, if you read your Bible 15 minutes a day, you'll read through the whole Bible in three years. In 30 years, you'll read through the Bible cover to cover 10 times. You'll know more Bible than most pastors you listen to talk on Sunday mornings. If you memorize one verse a week, I'll give you Christmas and Easter off. You'd have 50 verses a year. You'd have 500 verses memorized in 10 years. You don't think your life wouldn't change if you stuff all that into your heart and the Holy Spirit's gonna pull it out when you need it. But the problem is I'm watching Christians who don't read their Bibles. They don't know the truth. They hit something on a Tuesday and they conform to the patterns of the world. They react the way the world reacts. They think the way the world thinks and they don't have anything spiritual for the Spirit of God to grasp. If you read your Bible five minutes a day, 
you can read through your Bible several times in the next few years. You spend more time filling the blank, brushing your teeth, right? Have bad breath and read your Bible. If that's, if that's what you've got to do, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewed. It's going back. That, that word renewed there is in the imperfect tense in the, in the Greek. You remember, present your bodies to the aorist tense. You do it once in the past and it's ongoing. It never stops. The imperfect tense of renewing your mind is something you do over and over and over and over. So you present your bodies to him a one-time act. You renew yourself daily. And here's the result of that. Look at it with me. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Is the, when you've got a decision to make, is this the character of God? Is this the will of God? Is this what the Bible tells me is true of God? You see, when you don't know those things, the only default you have is what the world would say. What does the world say about marriage? Who cares? What does the world say about commitment? Whenever I do a wedding, one of the things I'll say is, here today, we're here to celebrate a marriage, not a wedding. I've seen a lot of great weddings. I've seen few great marriages, right? A marriage makes a vow. When you make a vow to your spouse at a wedding, you make a vow before the triune God and before all your friends and family till death do us part. Yeah, but pastor, then it gets hard. Absolutely, because you just married another sinner. You got two sinners together now, two big fat sinners together, making more sin. And you have a kid, that's more sin, right? Now you got more sin in the world. By the way, that's why I believe there's pain in childbirth is to remind you you're bringing another sinner into a messed up fallen world. If you don't renew your mind daily, what's going to happen in that marriage? You're going to get to where you become roommates living together. You're a maid and a butler. And then you're going to get to where you just don't like the other person. Then you're going to hate the other person. I've had, I've had people in my office doing marriage counseling where I would say, do you like each other? No. So you don't love each other? No. Can you love her like an enemy? Because that's what the Bible tells you to do. Well, if he were honorable, then I will love him till he's honorable. <laughs> well, if he was tender, we'll love him till he's tender. See, the Bible doesn't give you an out. The Bible calls for total commitment. Yeah, but pastor, I just don't feel. See, there's the problem because your feelings will deceive you. Why? Because your feelings are tuned into that big wrong volume knob. If I went by what my feelings told me, I probably wouldn't be in Austin, Texas. Probably wouldn't be my choice. I probably wouldn't be a pastor, I promise you that, especially through a worldwide pandemic. And I've got a lot of pastor friends who have quit in the last 18 months and it breaks my heart because this is when you ought to be the best pastor you can possibly be because people are looking for answers, right? Listen, the only place they're gonna get them are from you. Are they getting the right answer? By the way you have fear or don't have fear, by the way you have anxiety or don't have anxiety, the way you worry or don't worry, are they getting answers that there is a God who is in charge and he is trustworthy and he has it under his power? Again, see also Romans 13, you got to come back. When I was 19 years old at Clemson University, I got transformed. And I decided I'm not going to conform anymore. I'm going to be different. And it's been an interesting 33-year journey for me. And there's days I feel like I blow it. Anybody else? There's days I feel like I do it pretty well, but every day 
I've got to present my body as a living and holy sacrifice again. What if you did that this week before you got out of bed? You wake up, the alarm goes off. Or if you're in college, you just wake up and it's lunchtime. (laughs) You say, hey, before my feet hit the floor, God, I just want you to know I want to present my body to you today. This is not my body. It's not my mouth. Help me to say things that you would want me to say and not what I think. These eyes are your eyes. Help me to look at nothing that would discredit your testimony through my life. Lord, these ears are yours. May I hear the word of God daily, all day today in my ears. Lord, this body's yours. Who do you want these hands to serve today? These feet are yours. Where do you want me to go? God, this is your body. Before I hit the floor, I want to lay it on the altar. What if you woke up dead every day? You see, then it's not a matter whether you want to do what God tells you to do. It's just you're listening for, to hear him say what he wants you to do. All right, we're going to look at just a second, verse 3. We're going to pick up on this next week. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It literally means in the Greek not to be hyper about you. (laughs) Not to think more of you than you should, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. If you look past that, 4 through 8, it talks about spiritual gifts, We're going to hit that next week. Here's the deal. All of you have a spiritual gift, at least one, that the Spirit of God has given you as a child of God. The job of the spiritual gift is not to show you how amazing you are. The job of the spiritual gift is to be used, employed by the church. So if you're going to be a total sacrifice to God, here's what that means. You don't just attend church, you serve church. I ought to be able to call up Greg any day and say, hey, do you have an overabundance of volunteers for setup and takedown? Do you have an overabundance of children to help with the nursery? Do you have an overabundance of servants who want to usher and they just can't wait to get there and get the coffee ready? You see, when you die to the Lord, you die to yourself. And when you die to yourself, you do what he tells you to do. And what's, the, what's God passionate about? His church. You see, the church is the bride of Christ. And we judge the bride of Christ whether we like her or not. We judge the bride on whether the bride does for us what we think the bride should do for us. So Dripping Springs, I'm calling you out specifically this morning. Are you serving the church? Well, we get in a new building, then it'll work. No, building doesn't change anything. It's your heart. Well, if we had a little more AC in this room, because I'm pretty hot in here this morning. (laughs) But you know what? When a visitor comes in here, they don't care about that stuff. Here's what they care about. Are these people for real? How are they going to know these people are for real? How you or Jesus to them are not. That's too convicting. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the body next week. This past week, I woke up, two weeks ago, I woke up on a Monday morning. When you get older, you get injured sleeping. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. You don't ask old people, how'd you hurt yourself? They don't know. (laughs) I woke up, my left shoulder, right shoulder, my right shoulder was locked up. I don't know if I slept on it wrong, because that's what happens when you're old. You sleep on it wrong, whatever that means. I woke up, and literally for, for 10 days, I could not lift my right arm to put shampoo in my hair. I go to a doctor. He said, your shoulder's messed up. I was like, I know that, doc. You should pay me to tell me that. He got in there and he started messing around. But here's what was amazing for those 10 days. The rest of my body cared so much about my hurt shoulder, it stayed awake all night just to be with it. (laughs) 
the next couple of weeks we talk about the body of Christ, I want you to remember the illustration that we do this together. We're in this together. We serve together. But look what he says there. You're not conforming the patterns of this world. You're transformed by the new new mind so that you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I'm going to spend the next five, six, seven minutes with you talking about how you discern God's will. I gave, I'll give you an illustration. When, when I was growing up, my mom, and this was back in the 70s and 80s, moms would go to something called a cloth store. If you're a little boy, it's the worst place to go. <laughs> and my mom would go to this cloth store, and she would, if, if, you're old, if you're younger than me, there's things called sewing machines where they make clothes. They take cloth and make clothes. Someone made your shirt, okay, not your mom. <laughs> And she would make clothes. And, and I remember she would take these clothes and, and she would lay out on these, on these big, I don't know, sprawl things, all these different cloths. And she would go and she'd start touching them. What's she doing? She's discerning, that's too thick. That'll be too hot. That's too rough. That's not what you want to wear. That's, that's too thin. That'll be see-through. And she's discerning what is the right one to use. Does that make sense? I think of that when it talks about you'll be able to discern what God's will is. Let me give you a real example from my life. There was many, many, many years ago, my wife said, hey, I want you to make your world famous pancakes, cinnamon pancakes tomorrow. Great. That's what we do on Saturday mornings. I make my world famous cinnamon pancakes. And she said, I need you to go get bread and eggs and milk and, and, and pancake stuff and all that stuff. So I go to the store. Just so you know, I haven't been to the store in four years. So I'm just telling you where this is going. So I'm going to the store and I'm sitting there walking through. I'm like, ooh, Pop-Tarts, you know? And um, <laughs> I get the eggs. I get the pancake stuff. I get the Pop-Tarts. I get the Sports Illustrated magazine that was there at the counter. I get the gum, the mints, no milk. I get home. My wife said, well, where's the milk? Honey, you always forget something. Now, here's a dangerous word in marriage, always and never. Really, do I always forget something? Always, really? And in my flesh at that moment, I remember thinking, a typical male comeback, oh, yeah? That was it, oh, yeah. <laughs> but because I was spending time in the Word, Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Pull that back. Well, I'll just flex my maleness. Well, the Bible says you should subject your... Mm. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. <sighs> well, at that point, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'll just get historical. Well, two months ago, you, no. First Corinthians says, keep no record of wrongs. <sighs> well, I'll just insult her. You old, No. First Peter chapter three, not returning insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. You see where I'm going with this? You see, if you're not in the word of God, you got nothing to fight with. You're trying to fight, but you got nothing to fight with. And the Holy Spirit pulls that stuff out of your heart and it's just grasping for it. There's nothing to pull out. Carl Barth said this, Christian ethics, he called, is the great disturbance. I love that. So violently does it challenge, interrupt, and upset the status quo. Does the way you live upset the status quo violently? 
you're at work and there's someone who always is short with you and just snaps at you, do you respond with kindness or you say, well, I'm just not going to ever speak to her again. I'll blow her off. What if God wants you to be the one who shares Jesus with her? You know, when someone comes to me and this has happened a bunch (laughs) and starts just going off on me, I assume there's something in their life that's causing pain and I'm not it. I'm just in the way of it at this moment. So if I can just let my feelings simmer down now, take the shot and say, hey, what's going on? Oh, pastor, you don't, and they break, right? That's true of everybody like that. What if you're the sense of reasonableness in a world that just fights, in a world that just reacts? But folks, you've got to have some word in your heart. You've got to have some scripture in your soul of who he is. So how do you overcome being like the world? Number one, I wrote down this, view the mercies of God every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. There's been times I got up and I said, you know, I'm just going to preach a gospel message and I'll share about grace and mercy and sin and deliverance and redemption. And then someone will come up and say, yeah, you know, when you just share the gospel, it's just kind of boring. I know all that. Really? I've never gotten over grace. I've never gotten over that God loves someone like me. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you yet. That's even even more amazing. (laughs) That, That God would take me and let me stand here and talk to you about his word is blows me away. Never lose being overwhelmed by grace. Number two, I wrote this down. Remind ourselves that the only rational response is giving everything you have to him. Anything else is illogical. Anything else is offensive. There's nothing worse than a child who's been given everything who is ungrateful. True worship cannot be divorced from true service. And we're going to pick that up next week. That you can't receive the mercies of God and not serve the body of Christ. Jonathan Edwards said this, and this convicted me. I read this this past week. Jonathan Edwards, in his teenage years, were writing statements where he would say, I resolve to, and he would write something that was profound. This one struck me. He said, I am resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. That has haunted me this week. I'm resolved not to do anything that I would not do if it was the last hour of my life. Folks, for a lot of people that you're going to interact with this week, it could be the last hour of their life or your life. But it's the most important hour if they get the chance to interact and come face to face with a real life breathing Christian who is different. Amen. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for these two packed verses with so much truth. Father, I pray that we'd be a people here at Austin Ridge who are not conformed to the patterns of this world. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we'll be able to test, we'll be able to discern what God's will is, is good and pleasing and perfect will. Father, I pray that we would, as good priests, lay our lives down as a true sacrifice daily. 
Lord, thank you so much for just letting me be with the Dripping Springs campus today. I'm so grateful for them. I love what God's doing here. I love watching baptisms from this campus bless our, our, our community. Lord, I pray that this campus would be a force in this part of Texas for your glory. But Lord, it's gonna take us laying our lives down. It's gonna take us being in the word. It's gonna take us responding to you instead of reacting to people. Lord, I pray that we would empower our lives by the word of God to do just that. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand together as we respond to who God is and what he's done for us. I love what Brad said, that we still haven't gotten over grace. So as we think about that and we sing this song together this morning, let's worship him for all of his worth.
God, we thank you that your grace for us is unending. You never fail us. You never forsake us. God, help us to be agents of your grace as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, if you need prayer, we'd love to be able to pray for you and with you today. We have prayer partners here at the front of the stage, also in both the lobbies upstairs and downstairs. Go in peace. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you next week.